Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Hooligan Report, back after a couple of weeks break, and I'm joined today by Cruyff. Yeah, hello. And we're also joined by Boyan. Hi guys. Uh, without Cookson for the first time this season, so um, we'll have to have a bit of extra Man United bias from you. <laughs> no uh, doubt. Okay. Um, how have you found the last couple of weeks of Premier League? We've had a bit of a break, we've had FA Cup football, and I'm sure you two would love to talk about your FA Cup tie, or perhaps Croyf a bit more. Yes, um, first win there in, in, I think, five years at, at, the, to- at the toilet, and uh, I have to say, I was surprised, but it was good to to get one up, and it's always nice to beat United. And of course, to have Danny Welbeck score the winner wouldn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, and Gla- Gla- Gladys celebrated too, he doesn't score often, he's, he's very... He's, he's quite watchful a lot, of, a lot of the time, as many United fans will tell you, but for him to score against United is really the icing on the cake. And, and Boyan, are you, in a way, happy that you're out of the FA Cup so you can focus on making top four, or don't you think it would have had much impact? Um, well, top four was always the priority for this season. I'm not sure the Cup was a distraction, but um, maybe, I mean, if we made, you'd always take top four over the cup in the United situation they are this season so if it was a distraction it stood to have that out of the way I guess Um, and on Welbeck some people have said it's Mm -hmm. been unsavoury the way he celebrated but I'm fine with that I won't begrudge players celebrating Yeah, I've I've always found it a bit weird when players don't celebrate after um, scoring a goal against the team they played for it's you know you're playing for a new team they're paying your wages now you've got a new set of fans backing you um, you you know it's almost an insult to your new set of fans if you don't join them in celebrating on such a big win especially especially with the goal that Welbeck scored depends on circumstances I guess I mean for instance the one that springs to mind is um, Danny Graham was on loan with us from Sunderland and I think he scored his one and only goal against Swansea now he'd gone about 20 games or something without scoring and you think surely in that situation he's allowed to celebrate and he didn't celebrate because he was at Swansea for a couple of years oh god I mean I, I guess mean, if, if they're still attached it's what? if, if they're still attached to the club I mean who knows what they're actually thinking no, oh, that's sure. a professional athlete, so we don't know what it's like to be at one club for three years and then go to another or, I don't know, everyone's different, I guess. I guess if you've come through their academy or something like that, you know, if, if for instance, if Sterling scored against um, QPR, perhaps he, he might not celebrate, because I think he came through their academy and spent a lot of his youth there, so in that sense, yeah, you've got a personal attachment to the club, but I think if you've only been there a year or so... I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe, like well, you say, it's. I think it's the individual player. You store a goal and you celebrate based on the emotion when you store it, particularly if it's a if it's a tight game. So that was just Welbeck's raw emotion, and it's not like he did a at a or and ran three quarters <laughs> length of the pitch and then slid in front of the opposition fans. You know, yeah, that, that, that I'm not that, too, that, that I'm not too too keen on. But um, yeah, just a normal celebration wouldn't go astray. Um, we might continue talking about Arsenal and we'll talk about their 3-0 win over West Ham on the weekend, Cruyff. I think you wanted to have a bit of a comprehensive look at this one. So what was your take on the match? Um, um, I, th- I thought we, we might lose. It just se- seemed like the sort of game we'd slip up on. But to to see we won 3-0 was, was very pleasing indeed. And if you look at the goals, I mean, it doesn't matter how they go in at the end of the day, but all the goals in that game were great. The, 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 the hit from Jira was particularly... Well hit, and the build-up for uh, Ramsey's and Flamini's goals were also very nice. And I think that's the first time you've won eight in a row at the Emirates, so building quite a bit of form. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I think we're eight eight from nine from the league, and the only other one was a draw. So, I mean, we're we're on we're 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 in quite good form. Everyone keeps talking about Liverpool, but um, I, I I think our form can't be disregarded. Do you reckon you're in the title race? 0.0000002% chance. Put it this way. Chelsea have drawn four of their last five. They're seven points ahead of us. They have a game in hand. Wenger's never beaten Mourinho. For us to win the league from this point, we need to rely on City to mess up further. Well, they've just we lost need... to Burnley. I mean, it's not as if 
It's difficult we, to say them to, to say them messing up. We need to catch ten points on Chelsea, which means we have to win four games where they don't win. I mean, it's virtually it's it's not going to happen. It's virtually it's, impossible, yeah. But I think it do, it is helped by the fact that you actually play Chelsea, which could become quite an interesting game. Yeah. I I think we'll get second. Yeah, and, I'd agree with that. I mean, there's there's no reason why we should. I mean, if we finish third, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people were expecting how far the season panned out. But this last this last few weeks, it's shown that City can be caught, and there's no reason why we can't finish second now if we maintain our momentum. What are your thoughts, Bayer? Yeah. Well, um, without wanting to drag it back to, to my club, what <laughs> I mean, I, I think United will actually have a huge impact on the title race and the top two. Now, the reason for that is that United play City, Chelsea, Arsenal and Liverpool from here on out. So, if let's say, if United could beat a, or at least draw to a Chelsea or a Man City, that can give the opportunity to, to Arsenal to leapfrog City, get closer to Chelsea. Chelsea, are, they don't not looking too flash at the moment. I think the fact that they didn't rotate enough earlier in this season is coming back to haunt them now. So United can kind of take points off Arsenal's rivals, I guess you'd say. Um, I don't think United can get there. It would be ridiculous if they, if they did. But um, there's certainly an opportunity for Arsenal to um, get close. Yeah, I mean, someone posted in the uh, match thread during the week the numbers of games played by Chelsea's, I, bet, I guess, you know, common uh, common eleven players, and it's pretty staggering the amount of games that they've each played. And when you think they've got guys like Remy just sitting on the bench most weeks and barely getting, I think him coming on against Southampton was the first time I remember him playing in, in at least a little while. Yeah, yeah, correct. It's it's poor move in hindsight. Like, I mean, he would have fit right in with us, but I mean. It's he's been vastly underused at Chelsea. And it's a shame, really, because it's not like he's a poor player. And they've paid twenty eight million for Quadrado, and he, he keeps coming on as a sub. What's the point? Yeah, he doesn't look like he's used to the pace of the Premier League at all. Uh, I mean, that's fair enough. It's, it's, he's only been here two months. Give him six months to adjust. But I mean, if you're going to spend that much on a player, you want him to be starting. But it's amazing when you see that Salah went to um, Fiorentina well, and he, or yeah. wherever, and he and he was scoring basically straight away for them. I think he has something like five goals in six games or something. And then, you know, the other side of the coin, Quadrado's come here and he's sitting on the bench and he's taking a while to adjust. Um, it's kind of a strange one, I guess, to see. Well, I guess certain players are more suited to some leagues than other leagues. I think it was yesterday uh, someone was talking about uh, Man City signings over the last couple of years and guys like Fernandinho... Jovetic, Negredo, those kind of guys. And you look at um, Jovetic, he was tearing it up for Fiorentina, one of the best players in Europe, and he was young and dominating, full of confidence. And he comes to City and he just can't... It just doesn't suit him. You look at um, Veron, had the same situation, dominated in Italy, came to England, doesn't suit him. So some players just aren't suited to the Premier League. And, I mean, Salah could be one of those players... Quadrado, we won't know for another six months if he's one of those players. So it doesn't all just... I mean, the price tag... I mean, the price tag doesn't equal the relevant kind of style of player, necessarily. Speaking of Di Maria, I, I saw some reports saying that um, Van Howe would be happy to let him leave. Is is there any truth to that? Is there any sort of um, murmurs coming out that, that Di Maria might leave the club at the end of the season? Uh, nothing concrete. I mean, the, the facts are is that he was having dinner with his family and armed robbers came into his house. So that's And that scared him. The other fact would be that his wife hates it there. I mean, when, when you've, I guess, when you've kind of lived in Argentina and then Madrid, Manchester <laughs> not really up there. Um, I, I wouldn't say. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm happy that he's at United, but it, I'm sure him and his wife would prefer to be living in Paris. I think De Gea's girlfriend or girlfriend or wife has made similar comments, saying that. What she I think she said Manchester was less attractive than the backside of your fridge, something like that. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, I mean, what Van Hal's been saying is that if he if he really wants to leave then we can facilitate that at, at the right price. So he doesn't want him to leave. And, I mean, it, sometimes these players, as I was saying with um, Jovetic and other players, 
it takes them a good, a good six months. I mean, I think back to uh, Nemanja Vidic and Patrice Evra. They were awful when, when we bought them in the January window for the first for that second half of the season. The next season, they were fantastic. So it can take guys some time. Post-World Cup also is always difficult for new players in a new league. Um, so I'm prepared to give him another I guess, um, season to at least prove that is worth and I don't think United want, want to sell him now anyway because you're really not going to get the price unless PSG desperately wants him because I mean you have to say you paid 60 for him so you'd be lucky to get 40 now well if you believe Big Footy Di Maria is off to Real Madrid again even though they sold him last season <laughs> we'll take him for bail no, no problem at all it's, it's totally because he'd go straight back to Madrid <laughs> I mean, one good example of what you're talking about is Brown Idier at, at West Brom. I think he cost them $10 million and for the first six months or so, he was looking a complete flop, and the fans turned on him, and he was almost out the door, I think, if they'd been able to get... Was it Carlton Cole from West Ham? Uh, That's right. And now he's scored about four or five goals for them, and he's, he's winning, scoring winning goals, match-winning goals, so he's winning them points. Um, you just have to let these guys settle in a bit. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I just like the... No one's really felt that comfortable in United's formation either. It's been chopped and changed fairly regularly, which Van Gaal likes to have different tactics for every game against different opponents, which is similar to Mourinho. Um, but it really hasn't helped. Does doesn't help new players settle into a new position. You can see some of them looking tentative and confused on the pitch, particularly earlier in the season, and that's the case with Di Maria. So did a pre-season behind him. I think that I mean again, it sounds like making excuses, but the fact that Van Gaal came here after the World Cup didn't really have a full pre-season with these players. United waited too long to do their business. Um, it's probably hurt us. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of United, I mean, it hasn't hurt you this week because you've managed to beat Spurs 3-0. Uh, and of all players, we've had Carrick and Fellaini score goals. Um, so certainly that formation looked like it was working better for you, but was it perhaps more a case of Spurs just kind of going into their shells, I suppose? Um, a little bit of that. Well, I'll tell you what. When you play England's best striker uh, in his natural position, that helps. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, rocket, it's not rocket science, is it? Good goal from Rooney. I mean, slack defending from Spurs, but, I mean, he barged through him like they weren't even there and lovely finish for his goal. Correct. It's... He's still... I mean, he's not quick over long distance, but over that first, say, three to five metres, he's still um, pretty pacey. He's got still... He can still beat a man and he can and he can finish. And at the moment... Well, what has really held United back in the second half of the year is Van Gaal has been too scared to leave spuds like uh, Jones and Smalling isolated. And so he's tried... Focused on not conceding... And uh, conversely, you know, they haven't scored enough goals. So get Rooney up front and you start scoring goals. Um, he delivered a great knockout punch. You'll uh, <laughs> like that um, But also, a lot, I guess people that haven't watched United this year probably don't appreciate how good Fellaini's been. He has been one of United's best players and most consistent players. I know it's a little bit of long ball rubbish, but he has got a little bit of talent, that, that player. Oh. I mean, when he, I think he looked his best at Everton when he was playing that more advanced role in midfield, um, where yeah, he can be those ta- that target for those long balls and bring them down. And he's got a good head; he can get get a few headers in. Um, and he looks much better when he's an attacking player. I think when I think he came to United and Moyes started playing him as a defensive mid, and that was when he sort of his form kind of evaporated. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, a big change on the weekend. I won't talk too much about about United, but. Um, a big change from the weekend from the rest of the season is the fact that we actually moved the ball forward quickly. So having Michael Carrick there in that holding role, the defenders just gave it off to him and he's actually moving the ball more forward. When Blind plays there, there's more of an emphasis that he has being a Dutch number six on ball retention. There's a lot of kind of full-backs played into defensive midfielder and then they'll pass it back along the defence, whereas Carrick will get it, look up and play it forward. And you play it forward to Matt. How did Carrick score from a header from about 15 yards out? Um, well, what happened was... Um, it was a bloody, it was, good, bloody good header, but well, it had a lot of power on it, but you shouldn't be scoring from your head from there unless you're Batistuta. 
Well, the guy, uh, the Spurs defender came off the line, off the corner, um, came off the line to clear the first ball. And so Carrick just headed it back to where he came off in that far corner. I was, I was surprised, um, actually, that it beat Loris because it was a long way out. And I thought Loris should have done better for Rooney's goal too. So he didn't hit it that hard. He placed it well, but he didn't hit it that hard. And I thought Loris was a little bit off his game. Well, a side that's certainly off their game recently is Sunderland, and they've slumped to another defeat to Villa of all teams, with Villa scoring four goals. I think I think there was some stat that they scored more goals away against Sunderland than in their previous ten away games or something like that. They doubled their away goals total in that game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and they were all in the first half, weren't they? I think it was... Yeah, the, yeah wasn't it 4-0 after half an hour? I think it was 4-0, oh, right. yeah. I remember sitting there watching watching the Hull Leicester game and just couldn't believe my eyes seeing the um, score updates. Um, and two goals for Venteke, two goals for Agbonlahore, so good good for them to see their strikers firing. Paul Lambert yeah. should have gone a long time ago, and Gus Poyat should have gone a long time ago. Agbonlahore, the teapot, firing away. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we see Poyat being sacked before the end of the season, or is it just too late? No, he's gone. He, I, I, I reckon he'll be gone by mid-April. About a month. Give him another month. If results don't improve, he'll be gone, I reckon. Because... Oh, but, sorry. sorry, no, you go. I think they'll keep hold of him. But um, at the end of the season, they should really look at someone like Sam Allardyce. Because he's definitely leaving West Ham because he's on too much cash. And they want to play more expansive football when they move stadiums. And he's the perfect manager for him. For, for Sunderland, it'll keep them up every year, and they'll play reasonable football. Well, that's if they stay up this season, though. I mean, the way they've been playing and the, the way they performed against Villa, they're defending. It just they just look so lifeless. Can Can Burnley escape relegation in place of Sunderland? I think they might. The way that they're yeah, the only, way one, they're point, only one point behind, so there's no reason why Burnley can't finish out of the bottom three. Hmm. Do I, I wonder whether if Sunderland slip into the relegation zone, that might be the catalyst to um, to sack Poyet because you always get that sort of you know new manager honeymoon period where you get a few points on the board and and at this stage of the season all you need is a couple of points maybe to to stay up. Well, last year I think or maybe the season before they were they were in the relegation zone in March or April and they beat I think they beat City. They might have been yeah in, last last season. I, yeah, I think they drew with us. And it just they, they they escaped from out of nowhere, really. But I mean, will that will, will that spur them on to do it again, or we, we don't know? But I mean, they're not looking very good. And tactics Tim at Aston Villa is actually doing okay. Well, he is. He is. I mean, I I thought he'd go in and and at least get them scoring a bit more and and really bring through some of the younger players because he seems to have a way with the younger players and getting them to play quite well. He had a Spurs as well, obviously, with the Youth Academy connection, but he seems to be doing it at Villa as well with guys like Delph and Sinclair and uh, even Cleverly uh, not doing too poorly under him. But um, speaking of Burnley, it was a pretty incredible result for them against Man City to, to think they've taken four points against the champions for the season. I think even if they go down, they can probably hang their hats on that. Definitely. Did yeah, you guys see Dyche's interview? I did. I saw. I saw a bit of it when he was talking about their uh, title chances. <laughs> did you know, I that? He said something that a reporter asked a question about the title race. He goes, title race? No, not saying we're in that. Don't you? Don't you dare print that. But he was having a laugh. But I mean, it was, it was quite funny. I think. I think it's in the 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 um the video thread. But it's it's quite funny to see that he can have a joke, even though they're doing so poorly. But I mean. As uh, SM said, there's no reason why Burnley can't can't get out, really. They've got a decent run of fixtures, and I think they play Villa on the last day of the season. So there's a couple of games on Just the final day yeah. to um, to really make the relegation fight quite interesting, because I think it's Burnley, Villa, and QPR, Leicester, I believe, are playing each other. They've got Southampton away, Spurs, Arsenal home, Everton away, Leicester home, West Ham away. So that Leicester game, I'd really tar- I-, I think they need a target. And then the they, they play uh, West, West Ham, Hull away, Burn- uh, Stoke at home and Aston Villa on the last day away. 
So, I mean, probably the Everton, the Leicester games, the Hull game, and the Villa game are their best chances at points. Um, and that Hull-Burnley game could really be quite crucial for um, both sides. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm. I'd like to see Burnley start. They don't seem unlikable by any means. Yeah, they've got a very likable manager. I mean, QPR, on the other hand, they, they, they can disappear and never come back as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Burnley have... Burnley play reasonable and quite consistent football. They just don't have the list of players. Yeah, and Dyche is a likable guy. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I was saying pre-season, I mean, they're the sort of side where, like you say, they sort of... Uh, the, the sum of the parts is... The, the whole is better than the sum of the parts in the sense that, yeah, the squad doesn't have the skill level, perhaps, but they, they're very well drilled and um, they get results occasionally, I guess. But... Um, George Boyd, especially for them, is doing quite well. Scored the the goal against Man City, uh, and obviously Danny Ings. Thought, uh, Ings hasn't done too much lately. Um, they need some service, to be fair. <laughs> service <laughs> always help. <laughs> he can't do it all on his own. <laughs> As uh, Ben Tetra and Lukaku have found this year, it helps if people actually pass you the ball. Uh, well, absolutely. Um, and we'll what? talk. Sorry. On QPR, is um, they they are just absolute rubbish. They are, and it's it was staggering to say that they were down three nil to Palace at half time. I think that was the most goals Palace had ever scored in a first half of Premier League football. There, I, I was talking to uh, JD, and he said they're the worst Premier League side he's seen. No QPR. Yeah, surely not Derby even or someone. Oh, well, he, I, I mentioned that, but he said he he didn't watch it at, at that point. Right. But, okay. I mean, of recent times, surely QPR are, are, are up there with, with the worst of them. I mean, they they've been they've been rubbish for a few seasons, really. And then you have to say, well, if they're so rubbish, then how come Leicester are below them? You what wonder what those Leicester? Leicester. I mean, I'm I'm genuinely perplexed how a team can be below QPR with the way QPR play. I, I honestly I don't know what the issues are with Leicester. I mean, the game on the weekend was the first time I really watched a full Leicester game um, in recent times, at least. Obviously, since the last time we played them, at least, and perhaps that was just one of their worst performances for the season. So I think Nigel Pearson even said that was one of their worst performances for the season. But they were terrible against us. Um, in probably their biggest chance to sort of take three points and jumpstart a bit of revival, and they just sat back. They they had two shots on target for the game and they were both sort of crosses that sort of turned into shots after they were hit. Um, and they just offered nothing. Even when we went down to ten men. Yeah. yeah. Ten men, they'd start attacking a bit and go for it. Try and hit you on the break sort of thing. They're, but, they're, they're I think mean, a couple of chances, but that was about it. 19 points from 28 games. There's, there's three, oh, they've got a game in hand, but that's against Chelsea. So you'd say Chelsea will win that, which still leaves them three points behind QPR. It's I, I can't see anything but Leicester finishing on the bottom. Yeah, just what what surprises me about Leicester is that um, I still vividly, unfortunately, remember their five-three <laughs> victory over United, and I was very impressed with them because they played crisp, one-touch attacking football. They got it in early to Ujoa. It looked like he was trying to be a very solid player for them. They obviously had Cambiasso kind of running things, although not obviously prime Cambiasso, and looked relatively well organised, albeit a little bit leaky at the back. And now, I mean, as you saw on on, on the weekend against Hull, I mean, they're just bloody putrid. And if they're not moving the ball quickly, they're just sitting back defending. I mean, at this stage of the season and where you're at, you just got to go for it, surely. Nil-nil isn't good enough. Surely, yeah. surely at this stage you go for even if it's going to be a five-four win, you go for the five-four win because it's three points. You don't you don't worry about goal difference now. You just need the points on the board. Exactly. Just attack, attack, attack. I th- I think it's Pearson too. Uh, uh, maybe he's not up to it at this level, but I mean he got them there. Good on him. Maybe give him another season to see how he goes back in the championship. But I mean they did start off well with that five-three against United that no one will ever forget because of how glorious it was. Shut but, up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they they did start the the, the season quite well. I had I think maybe it was just the adrenaline from being uh, being were they champions? Uh, oh, yeah, they were. They they had they had over a hundred points. 
Yeah, maybe it's just from the um, becoming champions and and the adrenaline that's come with the Premier League, and they've got that that real kick in their in their step. But they they sort of faded. I think I think they didn't score a goal for six weeks or something. Well, it's interesting because you look at Cardiff last season; were exactly the same. They went up as champions with a quite a healthy win. I think they'd secured champions status three or four weeks before the season finished. Um, and they went up, and I wonder if perhaps the issue is a bit of complacency that the team thinks that they've got quite a good nucleus and they don't actually bring in many new players. I mean, Leicester brought in Cambiasso and Ujoa, but those were pretty much the only additions to their starting eleven. And you think, okay, great, that the starting eleven was was able to walk the championship, but the Premier League's a whole nother level, and the gap's only widening. Um, and you can't go into the season thinking that the squad that took you up is going to be enough to keep you up because obviously through the season you'll have rotation and those players will get their chances but you need to have a healthy amount of depth and Premier League quality Yeah, well it it is a bit of a fine line though because you don't want to bring in too many new players or else the guys that brought you up kind of get disenfranchised might not be the right word but you know what I mean, that it's kind of disappointed that they're not playing after they've done the hard yards but you need to bring in a a bit of quality in a couple of areas. So you you want that gun centre midfielder as well as Cambiasso because he's not the old Cambiasso. They obviously got that striker. Um, they probably needed another creative, a creative player up forward, and they needed a better centre half, someone to organise that defence. If, if if them losing Schmeichel play, played a part, but they had Ben Hamer, didn't they? From, as well. Well, from memory, Schmeichel hadn't been in great form. And then they got Hamer, and then I think Hamer got injured. And now, now they've got a Schwarzer. fossilized Mark Schwarzer in goal. He's gone. And he's he's finished. But I mean, like you just—it was an odd, odd move from Leicester to go for Schwarzer. Really, I guess they, they thought the experience might help. But I mean, I, I, don't, I, wonder, I, I wonder in part if that was part of the Kramerich deal with Chelsea. If um, Kramerich is, is going to be off to Chelsea in the off season, perhaps Schwarzer going the other way was part of a sweetener for that yeah maybe but I mean who knows but I I think they're rooted to the bottom of the table I can't see them getting off it to be honest I mean before they brought in Schwarzer when you think about their squad I can't think that any of their players actually had Premier League experience and I guess that's the key if you want to bring uh-huh. in new players yeah the, the left back the delay the, the former Man United guy yeah oh, United and Sunderland I, I, I think that's the, the, that's that was, the only thing I can think of off yeah. the top of my head um, and I think that's that's pretty important as well. I mean, especially with an inexperienced manager like Nigel Pearson, I think this is his first season at this level. You need, you need someone in the dressing room who, who, who's who been there before and done that and can sort of guide the team through the, the rough patches like they're in at the moment. Um, so, yeah, no, it's going to be very tough for them. I think they've got a pretty favourable run home, uh, which is the only thing in their favour, really, but... You think? Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of home games, and people. And I think Jats and even Nigel Pearson was citing how many home games they have, but they've only won twice at home all season. Let's see. They've got Spurs away, West Ham home, West Brom away, Swansea home, Burnley away, Chelsea home, Newcastle home, Southampton home, Sunderland away, and the last game of the season is against QPR at home. You know what? That, that's not even actually that favourable. I was going off. I was going off what I'd heard, but when well, we actually hear those fixtures... I don't think that any of those games are realistically winnable, to be honest. Maybe Sunderland. Sunderland and Burnley are, those, are pretty QPR, huge games. But may, and maybe QPR. I think Burnley will top them, because it's, it's at Burnley. I mean, I can't see... Spurs, Spurs should beat them in London. West Ham, it's at, at, at home for Leicester. You, I, I'd, I'd say West Ham or a draw, maybe. West Brom should win at home. Swansea, you'd think, would have enough in the, in the tank. Burnley should win. It's at Turf Moor. Chelsea, I'd write, I'd write off a Leicester win straight away. Newcastle, I'd say, I'd say I'd see a win. Southampton, a win. Sunderland, that's a possible win for Leicester. And Leicester versus QPR, who knows? By that point, they could both be down already. So yeah, playing for pride. Could see some yeah, either they're playing for pride or see some youth teams coming out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't really matter who they're playing and where they're playing. They need to be playing better football to have a chance anyway, because they, they can't continue to sit back and play, play the dross they are now. 
and that's even I mean they, even if they were playing QBR every week. They need to be creating chances, and I mean that's why for me I can take positives out of how we played against Leicester, despite it being a nil-nil. If Yelovich doesn't have an air swing, we go up one nil, and if Hernandez finds the bottom corner, that's two nil. Um, mm. So you've got a lot more positives, you know, for the last nine games that at least we're creating chances, and if we mm. put them away, we can get points. But Leicester just aren't creating any chances, and that's that's the big issue. If you're not creating chances, you can't really score goals. Yeah, uh, I think uh, one team that surprised me this season has been Crystal Palace. Well, it's especially with Pardew. I mean, I, I'm surprised at how well Pardew's kind of taken them in his stride and he's, he's got them up the table and they beat QPR 3-1 um, with a Matty Phillips wonder goal, I must say. Too, yeah. Oh, that was a lovely hit, very well struck. But, I mean, I, I had the game, that I, I had the first half on and it just seemed to be all Crystal Palace. It seemed what, sorry? It just seemed to be all Crystal Palace. Yeah. I, I mean, they were doing it with ease, really. And they, I think they scored two in two minutes or something. The, the the second and the third came straight after each other, pretty much. Yeah, and I mean, you've got to say, as we were saying before, it looks pretty tough for QPR to stay up from here. If, if, if they're not going to get any points away from home, it seems, except for against Sunderland, um, they're pretty much buried uh, as well. Yeah, QPR don't have a very good run home either. Um, but then at the other end of the table, we had Chelsea playing Southampton. And, I mean, for the neutral, it seemed a pretty entertaining game, even even though Chelsea fans were pretty um, distraught while they watched it. Um, the pace of the game, I thought, was really good. It was really engaging. Um, Mane and Long up forward for Southampton with their pace really troubled Cahill and Terry. Um, and yet, as we were saying before, I mean, Chelsea really look off the boil. I'm I'm surprised Gary Cahill still starts to be honest. You'd think that Zuma would be you've got getting close to being best eleven. I mean Zuma's quick too, so we could have dealt with the pace. But I mean Mourinho's got his favourites as as people mentioned, and I mean obviously Cahill's in there. But I mean the, he's made many mistakes this season, and you wonder what he needs to do to be dropped for a long period of time. He's past it. Yeah, he'll be gone at the end of the season. They won't keep him. They'll keep Terry and put Zuma in or try and buy uh, Varane or some young well, they've, they've athletic got, defender. They've got, they've got Callas. I, I'm not sure if he's on loan or or in the youth team, but they've got Callas for a centre-back too, the young Czech guy. And he looked pretty good when he played against, was it Liverpool last season? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, so it's not like... I mean, they could afford to lose Cahill, really. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll... I mean, Talos is a good prospect, but it would be very un-Mourinho-like to have Zuma and Terry as your starting pair and then Talos as your backup. I think he'll want another experienced player in the, in, the, in that role at centre-half. So do we see this as sort of Southampton getting a bit back on track for um, a late push for the top four, or is it a bit too little too late? And I mean, they're six points behind United now. Um sort of just consolidate and push for maybe fifth to get I the Europa spot? It, if Southampton have finished fifth, I think they can be happy with that. Even sixth. Oh, no doubt. I mean, they, they can be... They, they're sixth now on 50 points, even with Spurs and a point behind Liverpool who have a game in hand. But, I mean, for what Southampton lost in the off-season, they should be extremely proud of their efforts to be able to maintain um, how, how well they've gone over the course of the season. Well, only a couple of months ago, I think we were sitting here asking whether West Ham or Southampton could make top four. And you look at West Ham now, and they've just kind of dropped off. And as you say, Southampton is still up on about and, and around the around the pace. And like you're saying, in the off-season, they lost their manager and probably their two or three best players. Um, and everyone was sort of writing them off for the season. And you've got to be proud as a Southampton fan for the way that the club has just transitioned from, you know, they only got promoted three years ago. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've done incredibly well. And Kuman's obviously a good manager, and he knows what he's doing. So, I mean, good, good on them for, for for doing how well they're doing. Absolutely. Um, we'll move on now, and we'll, we'll preview the games for next week. Uh, and we've got a pretty big clash on the Sunday night at 12.30 between Man United and Liverpool, uh, which, which, on top of being a pretty big um, rivalry match, we've also got top four spot on the line. Yes, it should be a nail biter, I'd imagine. Um, top yes. four? What do you mean? You, you know that this is the start of United's title charge. Um, <laughs> I, 
I mean, the James at Anfield go two ways. Either Liverpool blow United out, out of the water early in the first half, or United keep it really tight, and it'll be a real nail-biter and really boring, and then they'll try and pinch it at the end. And a couple of times, they've actually pinched it at the end, once through, once memorably in like the 93rd or 4th uh, minute through John O'Shea. Um, and yes, I would either be hoping for a 94th minute Gerard Ondol in a 1-0 <laughs> or maybe I don't know like an Antonio Valencia header something really rare <laughs> to get United over the line preferably in the last minute uh, I think Liverpool's pace might might stun United I think I mean they've got they've got Sterling Sturridge if they move the ball around quickly United will be in all sorts I think well if United I mean United look like they've turned a corner a bit in terms of their formation um, against Spurs, and if they can play with a similar sort of vigour at Liverpool, then perhaps they can get a result. I mean, Fellaini was looking good, Carrick was looking good, so the midfield was really sort of clicking. Um, but, you know, as you say, it's it's an issue of whether the, the, the back line and deeper midfielders can handle Liverpool's pace. Yeah, well, what the, I mean, the key to the game from United's perspective is uh, limiting the space between the midfield and the forward line, because that's where your Tatinios and Sterlings do all their damage. They try and get in the holes between the midfield and the forward line, and uh, the midfield and the strikers, sorry. And if you can keep that really tight, so they might even go with a blind and carriage and have two defensive midfielders or holding midfielders, and then just keep possession, keep possession, nullify the fans, and then hoof it up to the toilet brush. Get it up <laughs> to Fellaini, get it on his mop, and, uh, yeah, ruining at his feet. I I I'd personally, if if I had to choose a winner, I'd say Liverpool. But even in big games, it can go either way. You you, you just don't know. But being at Anfield definitely favours Liverpool. Yeah, I'd say Liverpool's got the slight edge, especially because they were able to beat Man City the other week, despite obviously Man City are in pretty poor form. Um, but it's showing that Liverpool are getting it done in the big games. So I'd give them the edge, but I think it could very easily go either way. Um, all the more sweeter. <laughs> Next Sunday night and Monday morning, the forum will be erupting. Yeah, oh, well, it will. We'll uh, get thread after thread of Liverpool v Man United, as we all I'll, love. I'll either be trolling the hell out of the forum, or I'll just turn my phone off for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, do, do you think you're confident of winning, or...? Oh, if, if we, as I said, if we turn up like we did this morning... Last night, yeah. Yes, um, and we keep possession. I'm confident that we can steal something. I still, people have been talking up this back three of Liverpool. I'm confident if we have um, that, as I said, if we play Fellaini close to close to Rooney, and you can get those two up against that back three, I think Rooney will do quite nicely against I those. And I don't particularly rate Liverpool's defence to what that exactly. highlight. Exactly. I mean, Emery Scoodle got penalised for holding on to players. He'd, he'd never play because he'd be suspended all the time. I mean, and who, who's the other centre back? Sacco? Is he playing? Slow. Uh, uh, might be Lovren. Toure as well. I, so, I mean, Toure's passed it. Lovren, Lovren hasn't been much chop. I, 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 I do rate Sacco, but he's I mean, pretty injury prone though. That's the issue. Yeah. But he, he's strong and fast though, which is which is good. But I mean, who's their fullback? Moreno, and I don't even know their left back. Jean. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Three, four. I don't know. They got Henderson should do well in midfield. He'll be hard to contain, I think. Henderson's in a very decent patch of form at the moment. Yeah. But well, it, the key really for them over the last couple of weeks is they've been able to score goals from midfield, and that yes. is significant, whether it's uh, footy or football, um, having goal-strong midfielders is really key because sometimes your forwards don't fire and you, you see, I mean, United will focus a lot on people like Sturridge and Sterling, so you need guys like Tenio and in the last game, was it last game or game before last, uh, Henderson, and, and those, real, those goals really lift the team. Because it means the defenders have to come out and try and stop those guys shooting, which opens up space for the forwards. So they need to limit the space in between the, the midfield and, and the um, forward line for Liverpool. I mean, we were talking 
um, before about the Burnley win over Man City from Burnley's perspective, but I think we kind of let Man City off the hook a bit. They've got the early game against West Brom, uh, and that, that actually is quite a big game because West Brom are in pretty decent form, as we were saying. They, they haven't been conceding too many lately, uh, and Man City are really struggling at the minute. Um, how do we see this one turning out? City should get their ass back into gear, you'd think. But, I mean, West Brom, as you said, they're doing all right. And, and City are in a bit of strife. But um, if, if City actually show up and and play a midfield that can protect the back four, there's no reason why they can't pummel them, really. But whether they play that midfield to protect the back four is a completely different question entirely. West Brom, 3-1. Who's going to score for um, City? Oh, Aguero. He's a gun. Thing about um, City and Chizza emphasised it fairly strongly. I think in the match day thread, the gaps they leave for their defence to handle is just—it's just ridiculous. I mean, everyone can see it except Pellegrini, or Pellegrini doesn't care. But Toure never never tracks back, and you got company. People have been paying out company all season. He doesn't look the same play, all this kind of stuff. You put any world-class centre-half and have 30 metres in front of them with attacking midfielders bearing down on them, they're going to look ordinary. They really need to sort that out and have that defensive midfielder. They probably miss someone like Gareth Barry, dare I say, from a couple of years back. He could probably play Milner, potentially, in that role. They need that industrious holding midfielder. They just don't have that at the moment, or they're, or they're not playing them. I think Milner's a very underrated player. I'd take him at Arsenal, no questions asked. They should go after him. I, I mean, I, he's versatile. He can play right back, right wing. He can play in the middle. I mean, he's played up top before too, but, I mean, he works hard. Not, not the most technically gifted of players, but for a player who works hard, he's still decent technically as well. Yeah, and he'd be perfect at that Arsenal, which is Flamini and Arteta are cooked. They can just come in nicely to replace them. Don't remind not, me. Not trolling, they're, they're done. Yeah. They were done last year. Oh, I, I, I agree, I agree. But, I mean, it's it's weird that they don't play Milner more often. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I mean, I paid out Pellegrini at the start of the year and got a fair few people abusing me. You know, he was the champion, won a title in his first season. But he's... But they've got the be- on paper. You, you compare all the Premier League teams on paper. They've got the best team. Oh, Chelsea. No, I think they're better than Chelsea. I think Chelsea are much better coached. Much better coached. Maybe, yeah. I guess, yeah. On every line, I'd take Man City. The difference for mine is the coaching. I think that the only area I'd say Chelsea are, are ahead would be in goal. Yeah, goalkeeper. Just Mourinho knows the Premier League. Oh, and left Chelsea have better left backs than City. Yeah, well, that's what happens if you keep buying full backs from Arsenal or keep stealing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's next? Tyrion Gibbs at the end of the year? Oh, hopefully. <laughs> and that you guys should try and replace Gibbs for Sanya or something. Get him back. Yeah, that would be, be good, but I mean. Who knows what's going to happen in the transfer window? Yeah, probably a, a touch early to talk about that. Um, yeah, well, so so we <laughs> so we were saying. Sorry, one, Seb. That's all right. We're saying we're saying we hijacked your, your your podcast. That's all right. I was happy to let you guys go. Um, <laughs> we, we do we think West Brom are a, are a serious chance of winning? I mean, I I certainly think they are. Um, you can't really look at a side that's just lost to Burnley and say that that they're invincible against any side. Um, so I, I'd certainly give West Brom a chance of winning that one. Um, I City, guess... City looked decent at home, though. Oh, they looked all right. I mean, we went I'm... there a couple of weeks ago and almost won, so it's not as if... They, they beat Leicester 2-0 in their last home they game. Were, and they were very average in that. Newcastle 5-0 before that, and actually wiped the floor with them. And then... Uh... To be fair, they were pretty average against Leicester, though. Um, and then they do one one with you guys at home. Yeah, you, well, you look at you look at Mumba and Kizza's comments, and they've they've said basically that was the worst performance they've seen in quite a while. Was the two 0 win over Leicester? So um, it was sort of disguised, I guess, by how poor Leicester were more than anything. But uh, they're in a bit of strife at the moment. And and I mean, I was running through a table predictor last night, and um, 
they're in. A, you look at their run of fixtures, and they're in serious trouble of perhaps even dropping out of uh, the top three, top four, because they've got a they've got the the Manchester derby. They've got um, a couple of tough games coming up. I think if City missed the top four, I'll I'll, I'll get perma banned in about the first week. <laughs> I think you'll get banned in the first week. <laughs> Trolling and button mashing and that kind of rubbish. They should finish no lower than third, really. But I mean, having said that, though, United are only three point, two points behind them. So, I mean, United could even finish second realistically. And Arsenal top. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't actually believe City have played that well this season. Not but they've got Aguero and he usually only needs one chance and he can just Bail and he pretty much takes it and they've got Silver as well I mean those two are the key obviously Toure is trying to wind down a bit but it usually only need, Aguero usually only needs the one chance they've had a couple of games this year I mean I think the Bayern Munich Champions League game if anyone saw that Bayern dominated the whole game Aguero had I think three chances and Patrick so he only needs the one chance and um yeah, they'll win thickly against the side like West Brom. Well, I think the big issue as well is with Bonnie coming in, uh, and ne- he's probably needs a couple of games to settle in, because uh, there'll be a lot of expectation on him with the price tag, and moving from a club like Swansea to, to the champions is obviously going to mess with his head a little bit in terms of um, nerves and, and, and what have you. And I think he's kind of come in at almost the worst time, because they're going through this rut of form, and there's a lot of pressure to perform straight away when you come into the side so I think I, I don't even think he started against Burnley um, and I'm not even sure if he started a game yet for them but he's come off the bench a few times and has looked pretty nervy I saw him against Barcelona for instance and he almost got in the way of Aguero when Aguero scored the goal so um, there's, a, there's a lot of pressure on Bonnie and, and like you say I mean Silver and Aguero are really their two keys at the moment and they need to spread that load around yeah yeah for, for sure for sure, because at the moment it's... I mean, I guess a similar thing could be said about uh, Chelsea at stages with Eden Hazard and uh, and Fabregas, who's kind of dropped off a fair bit. Without them creating, they're really not much not much chop. Yeah, for, for sure. And I was actually watching the game last night, hoping uh, quite fervently that Fabregas would get his 10th yellow and miss out next week. <laughs> um, I was very annoyed when Mourinho subbed Matic as well, because I actually thought he deserved to be sent off for I think was it the challenge right at the start of the half um, ref seemed to reach for his card and then remembered that Maddich was on a yellow already and decided decided oh, no I won't send him off that's alright what about the campaign yeah oh god <laughs> oh, it's, it's pretty easy to, tro- to troll uh, Chelsea supporters even when they're winning the league even when exactly they just fight at everything um, so the last game to, to preview, I guess, is Chelsea, and they're up against Hull on the weekend. Um, three points for Chelsea? Yeah, you'd think so. Are they home or away? Um, away from home. <laughs> so they're away? They're away, yes. <laughs> I will pick a really dodgy penalty... And a one 0 win to Chelsea, the Adrian Costa. We've we've got Newcastle at St James. That that could be a bit tricky, but I'm pretty sure we've got a pretty good record there. I think a, apart from the the four the four four draw a few years ago, but which I was actually um, watching highlights of that uh, during the week because yeah. I think that was being brought up in the, one of the threads. It was mm-hmm. quite an enjoyable game as a neutral. Well, not for an Arsenal fan. <laughs> Well, Arsenal fans are neutral, are they? Turn a TV on and it's 2-0 after four minutes. You think, beauty, we've, we've got this in the bag and it's 4-0 at half time. But, I mean, oh, that's just a whole nother... I, I could rant on a whole podcast about that game. But, I mean... I it, think it, Newcastle are pretty poor at the moment, so you should do them pretty easily, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, they got pumped to Everton, so... I mean, which is which is big for Everton as well, because that's their first win in quite a while. Yeah, and we're, we're in pretty good form, so... We should, we should win, but there, there might be small potential to slip up. Yeah, it will, it will be interesting. Um, Arsenal, the... won't, Arsenal only beat teams below them, so I'll do it again this well, well, you're below us, and hopefully we beat you. Well, that's what I said, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said it. 
Uh, so it will be interesting. Were there any final thoughts from you boys? Bring bring on May when we're, when we're champions lifting the Premier League crown aloft. I'm happy to suggest that as long as it means that we're um, staying up. Oh, I hope for your sake your boys do. Yeah, it, it, I think I... it'll it'll get. I think Burnley's win against Man City makes it a bit interesting uh, mathematically, but I think with teams like Sunderland, QPR, and Leicester being so poor at the moment, hopefully it means it should be all right. Otherwise, you'll have to uh, kick it with uh, Dirty Bit in a non-amalgamated league thread. Yeah. Oh, mate, <laughs> pod- podcast next year will be the championship podcast. Don't you worry. It can be you and him every week. Yeah. I'll get I'll get Red Alert back on. I'll get J- I'm sure Jats would be happy to come back on. Uh, you know, we can we can just spend we, we can spend the week talking about how much better the championship is than the Premier League from a, from purest point of view, and you know it'd be great. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Yeah, kind of a piece of advice from you guys after this Sunday's impending victory. <laughs> Is it better to troll the living daylights out of Jod uncontrollably or just let him melt on his own and say nothing? I think he does he'll a pretty be, good job. He, he, he will be... At, at, if, if, if United win, he'll be absolutely shattered. I know. It's going to be great. United more than anything. He'll, he'll be genuinely heartbroken. <laughs> at, I don't mind Jod. He's very biased, but I don't, I don't mind him. But I mean, if if you want to stir the pot, by all means, go for it. But you, makes you, it makes you, it great you, for the rest of us. You, you're digging your own grave if you do. <laughs> Maybe I'll just tag him into every post I make <laughs> <laughs> with a few pictures. Every every, every match related post, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, well, thanks so much for coming on, boys. Thank you for having me. No worries. No worries. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, until next week, we'll see you on the forums. Thank <laughs> you.